Welcome back to the Wasatch Brothers Real Estate Podcast. Another episode of the Wasatch Brothers podcast. We got a we got a sweet guest today. Um, it's my brother Steve Wilcox. He is a loan officer at Primary Residential. A few things about him: um, he was the top one percent originator originator in America, 2018 through 2020. He was able to help over 300 homeowners navigate the buying process and refinancing in 2020. That's a ton. He's married to his best friend, and they have three beautiful kids. I can vouch for that. And then he ended 2020 as the number one loan originator in his company. So welcome, Steve. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, I gotta give my I gotta give my little background with Steve too because he's done two homes for me and refinanced. And originally, my first uh, realtor when we bought our first house referred me to a guy, and he was just taking so long. It's like I'm gonna reach out to Steve, and Steve got it done way fast. So um, this is before I even got into real estate. I use Steve so. He is the man. Uh, me and Darren didn't realize he was top one percent till today. <laughs> today, I know old. he did really good, but I saw that come through, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, listen, listen to him, and hopefully, we ask good enough questions. If not, you'll be able to reach out to him. But, Steve, uh, what got you into the mortgage business? Like, give us your background and your story on how you got into the business first, like the, the very beginning. All right. So uh, back in 2005, believe it or not, I went down to uh, play a little bit of church ball. And I'm not a ball player, but my little brothers are. So I went down there and one of the guys we were playing with, um, we were just sitting small talking. Um, and he's like, hey, he's like, you should come work for me. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And he's like, I own a mortgage company. And I was like, I don't know anything about that, but um, you know, I'm looking for a, a career. I'm, I'm willing to, to come hear you out. So I went down there and uh, spent a few days with him and his phone just rang off the hook. And he's like, see all these deals right here. I don't even have time for them. I could just be giving them to you. And I was like, all right. You know, I, I said, <laughs> that might be good. I'm, I'm 21 years old right now. I don't really have anybody that I know that's looking to buy a home. And uh, so I'd be more than happy to take your overflow. So what were you doing for work at the time? um, My parents had a car wash and I was detailing cars. So, so that was, uh, I I definitely had to get, you know, get a career that I could sustain. Uh, You know, I kept, I was so worried about being able to support a family. And so, you know, when, when he told me about that, you know, I was like, Hey, let's spend some time. Let's, you know, and, and explain this to me, show me the, the ropes. And pretty much he's like, look, I think you could do this. I'm just signed you up for your classes. I'm pretty much telling you that you're doing it. And I was like, all right, here we go. So back then when I did that class, I remember it was live. I went to a live class and I don't remember how many days it was three to five, maybe. 
but I went down and, and we did, I did the class and I took the test and I passed it. So as soon as I Heck passed yeah. it, he's like, here's your deals, get going on them. And I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. <laughs> but, like you were uh, drowning. Yeah, I was drowning, but then he's like, Hey, he's like, just, if you have questions, come see me. So pretty much I just sat there and stared at people's information. I could make the call. I could talk to people. I could ask them all their information, but then I didn't know what to do from there. So I relied on him. And back then I was actually a broker. So I now work for a direct lender, which is different. Um, I don't want to get too far into that, but you know, we are the bank that I work for now. And back then we were a broker. And so being a broker, you had what's called account reps that work for the banks that would come in and sit with us and try and get business from us. Well, I got to know one really well and she just pretty much took me under her wing and helped me structure all my loans that I really had no clue how to do. And those uh, people know a lot of stuff. They were, she was a huge help because she was actually a loan officer originally before she went into that. So I started, uh, I started doing loans there and then here comes 2008, 2009, you know, when things were changing, the market, you know, was, was getting harder and harder to do loans. And, uh, one of my other account reps, um, swiped me over to another company because he worked for a company that was uh, pretty much going away. With some of those loan programs that you guys probably heard about that caused the market to crash, you know, with, they were fixed rates, stated income, stated income. Yep. Mm-hmm. those, those companies dissolved <clears throat> and he worked for one. So he was forced to go get another job. He's like, Hey, I've got a really good opportunity for you. Come work with me over here. And, uh, they're going to generate all of our leads. You don't have to worry about relying on, you know, this other guy anymore. We're going to make the phone ring. And that's what they did. So fast forward 16 years, here I am, you know, doing, doing mortgages. So in a wild ride. <laughs> Was there ever a point like that you hit uh, where like, man, I don't know if I want to do this and or I don't know if I can do this. Maybe it was during the crash and what helped you to stick with it and, and just push through the roadblock or the, the self-doubt. You know, really when that other account rep that got me to come over to this other company, that's when I was like, I'm not, I'm not connected enough to like ride this. Like I'm going to lose everything, you know? I don't have enough of a referral base at that point. I mean, I'd only been in it for probably two years, uh, maybe three, which some people get established then. But when I was relying so much on somebody that was giving me the deals, it was a lot harder for me because my business model wasn't set up like it is now. Right. I Now I'm 100% referral based. My referrals come from my past clients, my friends, my family, and my referral partners. And so when I had that, I was like, this is going to be rough. And then I had, John was his name. John gave me a call and said, Steve, I have an opportunity for you. And you don't got to worry about leads. This company has in-house mailing. They're going to make our phones ring. You will be fine. And I rode that wave and it was, it was great. I mean, I wasn't super successful at that point, but it definitely was, you know, it got me, got me uh, through it. 
So mm. what, what was there a point where you like it unlocked you? Cause I know I was just doing insurance and you kind of hit like a, a point of like, you get a lot of confidence or you figure something out that really unlocks your business and referrals. Was there a point that you hit where you're like, man, I'm going to be top 1% in this business. You know, that's a really good question. And I thought about a lot, especially here recently, being able to have the success that I've had um, and, and be able to, you know, be recognized with some of that, like the one top 1%. I feel like it was more, hundred percent a confidence thing. Once I really got my groove, which I would say I've, I mean, I've always done good, but I'd say probably my last seven or eight years have been my best. And a lot of that has to do with, I got to tip my hat to um, my current branch manager. I'll give you a plug. Here it is. Don Worthington. Um, he is, he is seriously one of the best mentors I've ever had in my entire life. This is a guy that will take the time and and help you, you know, feel confident in yourself, help you when you have questions. Um, he's, he's a book of knowledge. I mean, the guy has a lot of, he, he reads a ton of books or listens to them, you know, but he, he, he learns and retains a lot of really interesting stuff that most people wouldn't spend a lot of time on. But one thing that um, helped me was I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at talking to people, but when it comes to like sitting down and focusing and like submitting files, I'm awful. It's my (laughs) weakness. And so (laughs) He used, so when I first started, I went over to Dawn. I literally, today's my nine year anniversary with them, with the company. Yeah. I just barely saw an email. Nine years. Wow. Nine years that I've been with primary residential. And that's, That's uh, so I went over with Dawn, you know, he used to, he used to walk by my desk and I'd always have a stack of files. He's like, Hey, what's all these files? And I'm like, I got to get them submitted. (laughs) So you don't have them turned in. I'm like, no, they're sold. But I, I don't have them turned in. I said, it's just, I can't sit down and focus long enough to even turn them in. So at the end of the day, he's like, I want you to take um, this disc analysis. Have you guys ever heard of that or taken one? Yeah, of I have it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's called the Tony Robbins disc analysis. And it's this thing that you go online. I recommend everybody to do it. It it will really help you learn more about yourself and find where your weak points are and also help you better, you know, yourself in the end. So he had me take this test and I was really good at, you know, obviously with my, um, with, I was a um, high D and a high I. So the D is like the driver. That's just my personality. I am, I'm, I am direct. Um, I don't have, you know, I, I don't like working for somebody, meaning micromanaged. I like to be able to do my own thing, but I also like, you know, to have the support when I need it as well. So that's why I kind of have the best of both worlds right now. But then I, uh, I know I'm a high eye, which means I'm put me on a stage and, you know, I'll dance for everybody. I just, I'm, I'm very energetic. And Life so, of the party. That's right. Hi. And so <laughs> what, where my weaknesses were was like my 
consistency and my stability, which is more like sitting, doing tedious things over and over and over and over. Like, let me go, put me on a phone. Let me talk to people. Yeah. So you guys are all going to. So anyway, so once we did that, he's like, all right. He's like, I have a plan. He's like, we're going to get you an assistant. Like you need somebody that is going to sit down and do all this back end work for you. you I was just going to say it. that. I was like, it sounds like you need an assistant. Yeah. Method. Yeah. And so, Oh, that's when I, uh, I, when we hired my, my first assistant, um, Debbie, she's, she is the complete opposite of me. Um, she loves paperwork. She loves the consistency of being at a desk all day, working at her computer, going through everybody's, you know, loan applications and their pay stubs and their tax returns. And she loves that, but she doesn't really yeah. care for sales, which is fine. You know, I do what I'm good at and she does what she's good at. And she, you know, we're a, a great team. And so that is really when I say that, you know, I started to have my most successes once I really figured out where my weaknesses are, I was my biggest hurdle or speed bump. Yeah. When was that, that you hired your first assistant? Do you remember what year it was? I would say probably seven years ago. So that's kind of when you just said that, mm-hmm. like going back, that's kind of when you started having the most success that you've mm-hmm. ever had. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I, I think a lot of it was, is, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I was, I could work. I mean, back then I was single. I could work around the clock. And I still didn't yeah. ever do it, do anything more. Yeah. My volume never went up. I didn't mm. ever do any more loans, but I worked all the time. I think it's super smart of you too, because you say uh, I've dealt with Debbie too, and she is very detail oriented mm-hmm. when you talk to her. And I think it's pretty smart on your part that you're able to recognize your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And most people would try and go hire someone that, that is their personality or, yes. or like them. Mm-hmm. But if you can find someone that does good at what you're bad at, I mean, I think that puts you ahead of the game. And most people, I don't think sit down and take the time to actually recognize what their weaknesses are. And then let alone go find someone that are, is good at that, that at their weakness. Cause it's basically saying somebody's better than me at that. And I think too many people's egos get in the way. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing that maybe we could have Don come on one of your guys' podcasts at some point and he can talk about that disc analysis there. There is like when you're hiring, he makes every single person that he hires take this analysis and he makes sure that they are going to be a good fit for what that job is going to entail. He doesn't want to hire, train somebody up and have it not work and it doesn't work out yeah <clears throat> that's interesting i took it a i took that a long time ago with um jordan actually josh patel is that's where i did it mm-hmm. um so but that's been geez that's been 10 oh, years oh you took the disc since, analysis yeah yeah doing doing door to door with josh i don't know if it was the year you were there or not but um i should probably do it again especially now that i'm older and Absolutely. Not just like a wayward yeah. college student, you know. He probably told me to take it too, and I was just a young kid. He probably just that. said no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna knowing I'm gonna me. Write that down. I'm gonna do that. So it's the Tony so, Robbins disc analysis that you did. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I kind of have a question because a lot, um, and this will probably help um, buyers out there too that are listening to this. 
uh, the market's so crazy right now. Like I have people saying, oh, I want to go look at a home. It's like, well, you need to get pre, pre-qualified or pre-approved. Mm-hmm. And some people don't know the difference between the two. And uh, I've looked it up, so I know. And I think some people use them interchangeably. But is there is there a way that you could explain it better? Because you're in the industry. What is pre-qualified? What is pre-approved? And what's the difference? Yeah, so pre-qualified can mean a lot of different things. It's a very wide-range, vague word in our business. I mean, for somebody to get pre-qualified, I literally could just take someone's phone call, say, hey, what's your income? What's your credit? It sounds like you're pre-qualified. Go find your home. Mm. Really, all it says is you just have, you know, pretty much been pre-screened, right? Okay. Pre-approved is more going through the entire process, getting the credit pulled, getting the income, getting, you know, your assets verified, getting everything pretty much turned into the lender and, and having them review it. You know, there are some companies out there that they, you know, they run every single person through, you know, like through uh, underwriting before giving them their pre-approval. But we've done it long enough between me and Debbie and my team that our pre-approvals are more, I'm sorry, my pre-qualifications are more of a pre-approval. A lot of the times I just don't call it that for legality purposes. Because if somebody says, hey, you told me I was pre-approved, I can't mm-hmm. stop them from going out and buying a car, or open up that RC Willie's account or losing their job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so we, we just we when we give out those letters, we do have some risk at hand. So if you have a pre-qualification letter, it doesn't really mean anything more than the paper is written on. I hate saying that. But there's people and there's lenders out there that hand those things out like candy. And then you go get them under contract. And then next thing you know, the deal falls apart because they don't qualify. Their income they're giving you is less or their credit scores that they actually have are lower. And so we really do everything when we get somebody approved right up front. There's none of this, you know, hey, let's, you know, go find the house and then we'll take a look. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I like that better. Yeah. I was, cause I was thinking there's so many offers on these homes. Like Mm. Darren just did one for my in-laws. There's 20 offers on it. And so it's like, if someone's pre-qualified over pre-approved, what looks stronger or is it, you you don't really know until you get down to, to uh, the closing day or due diligence and they have to get everything in order because you, like you said, someone could go buy something and it, totally screws up the process. Yeah. And I don't feel that it's fair to waste. I mean, I'm, I'm busy as it is. You guys are busy as it is. I mean, there's so many offers on homes that I'm not, I don't want to waste my time. I mean, yeah. are you qualified yeah. or are you not? I don't mean that in a bad way, but you guys don't want to be going and showing homes to people that can't yeah. truly buy it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know we, that it's happening more now than ever, especially with the market and how competitive <laughs> it is. I know that I've, I've heard from a bunch of agents in my office, others that I've talked to, tons are taking backups pretty consistently just because it's so competitive and people are trying to get a house so badly that they are just trying to so-called slam it, slam it in. And then they get to, you know, maybe they're financing an appraisal deadline and they're like, 
their lender lets them know, hey, this isn't going to work. And then boom, the house is back on the market. I see it really consistently on the MLS back on the market, failed, uh, failed due to seller financing. And I'm the exact same way, Steve. I don't want to be driving around showing people houses, uh, you know, if they can't, if they can't get it, it's a waste of everybody's time. And so, I mean, that's why you find a lender. I, you know, I send stuff to you because it's like, I trust it. Like I'm going to send these people to you. And if you tell me that they can afford $450,000, then I, I feel really confident in that. Um, and that's a huge aspect. That's a huge aspect to having a, you know, it's not just us as agents, you know, getting an offer accepted. There's a totally another side of the lender that you basically have to create a team to, to make the deal work and to make it happen. Right. So true. So, so true. I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you just from, you know, other people that I know in the industry that will complain of like, I had this prequal letter. I called the lender, the lender just said, Hey, they weren't even looking at a house. You know, they were, they still got to sell their other one, but they just needed a prequal letter to see it. So I gave them one. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? That doesn't oh, help yeah. anybody. <laughs> no, not even himself. But that's, that is because, you know, things are going so fast off the market right now that sometimes people don't have, you know, and, and this kind of give, you know, some of you potential buyers out there. I mean, you want to start the pre-qualification process or the pre-approval process well before you start looking, you know, because once you start looking, you get excited, you want to go see them, you know, they're coming on, they're coming off the same day or the next day in this current market. And it's, it's discouraging to them to come to me because I'm not just going to hand them a letter. It may, yeah. depending how fast they get me their stuff, it could take me a day or two. Yeah. I, we, and, we actually just had a training on this yesterday where they're saying as an agent, as a good agent, the first question you need to ask is, are they pre-qualified or pre-approved? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of agents are just getting into the industry right now. And, and I don't know if they're money hungry or just don't have good mentors or what, but you know, they go and just show people homes without asking that question. It's like, why? And, and especially because the market's so hot, if you're not pre-approved and someone falls in love with the house and mm-hmm. wants to put an offer in, then you're also screwed as an agent because you can't do it yet. And, and that might lose you business because now they're mad at you because you didn't do it correctly. So I, I, I just wanted to, I actually have a, a girl I've been sending homes and she's like, can we go look at this one? And, and I said, are you pre-approved? And she's like, no, not yet, but I want to go look at them. Like we might as well not waste our time. Cause it's going to be gone this weekend. I mean, I, I don't want you to fall in love with the home and my broker, uh, my brokerage, they said, sometimes the question, are you pre-approved or are you pre-qualified can make the buyer or whoever it is you're working with, um, defensive because it some agents ask it where it's like are you asking if i can afford this home so i i think there's uh my broker said it the best she's like i always just say hey are you paying cash for this because she says i like to just assume everybody has the money to buy their home cash that way it's not offensive and then I also add, or are you planning on financing it? And if they say we're planning on financing it, then you say, okay, have you been pre-approved? And it's, 
it's it really matters how you word things because it, it can come off offensive when you're talking about money that's really personal to people so um are there any any um learning uh maybe like a deal that you've done or um a client you've worked with that could be a good learning experience maybe it was a terrible mistake or just it was handled really well that that we could learn from give me an example what do you well I mean, like, what do you think just, he's done so many loans you probably got to <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just wondering yeah <laughs> i'm just wondering if one sticks out to you or like if, if you were to tell someone about i don't know in sales you always kind of remember certain people because uh, they're nice to you or whatever what, was there a deal that stands out to you throughout your career that we could learn from that like thought they could qualify and didn't either either way yeah I mean I've I've had a lot of transactions over my career that um you know one one thing I will you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but one thing that I will say is we're really good at figuring out how to do loans. And what that means is, is I will have people that will get turned down somewhere else. And then their friend or their agent will say, Hey, just before you guys give up, let's run it past Steve and his team. And we'll figure out how to do it. And a lot of that is just our, our experience and our knowledge you know, we have learned how to get certain things done. And so I wouldn't say, I'm trying to think of like one off the top of my head that was like really specific, like that stands out. I mean, I've had a lot of deals that, you know, I've had people go make an offer. This is before this current market, but when you used to be able to get an offer accepted without a prequal letter, you just tell, they would tell the listing agent, Hey, it's coming. And then they come to me and they're under contract and then I pull their credit and they've missed a payment on something or they don't have the income that they thought that they did or, you know, and that stuff to me is, I mean, talk about taking the wind from your sales. You've been out, you've fallen in love, you've made an offer, it's been accepted, you're so excited and then the financing, you can't finance it. And so that's that again is just one that, you know, we will spend the time with the people, you know, and, and it's good to start sooner than later because we'll spend the time with people right up front. If maybe their credit's not where it's at. Well, I have enough knowledge and experience in credit and in credit repair that I feel I can get you where you need to be, or at least give you a roadmap of where to go so that you can when, you know, get yourself in, you know, into that house. So, yeah. so I got a question for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. So you've done, so the last 18, 19 and 20, you're in the top 1%. What, what motivates you to like, keep, keep doing that, keep repeating it or to keep going or growing your business? You know, at, at the end of the day, a um, couple of different things. A lot of it is, is, I'm just a, I'm very competitive. So once I've, you know, once I've hit a certain tier or a certain point of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm all about pushing myself to that next level. And so I'm like, I'm not going backwards. The only way I'm going is up. So regardless of the fact that it's such hard work and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of time um, away from my family and a lot of time spent in, 
you know, in, in the office or on a phone or, you know, late nights and weekends, I just have, have kind of said to myself that, you know, I want to be an inspiration to people that, that people can go out there. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. And so at the end of the day, I would say the thing that motivates me the most is my clients for one and making my referral partners proud. You know, I mean, for my past clients and my referral partners to trust me with their clients or their friends or their family means the world of me. Like I truly couldn't do what I do without them. And so it's my way of showing their, you know, my appreciation to them of, Hey, look, I'm not going to just, you know, I'm not just going to let your referrals get pushed to the wayside. We're going to make sure we take care of them. And then we do a, a, a great job and we do such a good job not trying to sound boastful or anything, but we keep getting the referrals. Then those people start referring us, you know? Yeah. And so it's just continued to grow and grow and grow. And so I would say that's probably, you know, my number ones is I'm just a big believer in always trying to, to do better and be better and educate myself so that when certain people come to me with maybe a unique scenario or is looking for that guidance of, Hey, how do I buy a house? Or what should I do with, you know, my current home, you know, but they may have like a different financial goal. I want to be able to be educated enough to drive them in what's best for them, not what's best for me financially. Yeah, I, gotcha. I, I, yeah. I think that, well, I can vouch uh, for Steve real quick on this of him yeah. taking care of like uh, it kind of goes with what you were just really talking about, Jordan, too, with the pre-qualifications we had. I had somebody that that went and saw a house down in Sandy and like Sandy's insane. Sandy is insane right now. And it, we saw it on like a Friday and they're from out of state and they want to put an offer in on this house. And it's like Friday evening. I think Steve had date night and I yeah, made him late I to did. date night, but they want to put an offer in and we didn't have, they didn't, they weren't pre-qualified. And like, I thought they had the money and like, you want to believe that. And they seemed that way. But at the end of the day, like financing, like Freddie and Fanny, you got to obey their rules and you got to fit within their guidelines. It doesn't matter. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I had to hurry, I had to call in a favor to Steve and he had to hurry and get all their documents and everything like that. And, and within 24 hours, we were able to put an offer in on, on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. There's like 25 offers on the house. So we didn't yeah. get that one. We were in the top three. We almost made it, but just vouched to him, like taking care of taking care of his clients. I had to, he was late to date night. He had to stay on the phone. He was supposed to leave and he was helping me take care of a client real quick because he just understood like the situation. And honestly, we couldn't do anything without him. Um, and so so yeah, I mean, I think that that goes a long ways. Not everybody's not everybody's willing to do that, and that's for sure. Yeah, I I'm gonna pump Steve up a little more here because we're your hype I mean, man today. Well, yeah. and he's such a he's <laughs> such, like the mortgage part is such an important part of our deals too. And my mind and uh, my thought process goes back to when we were buying our first home. Like we didn't really know what we were doing. And it, it, it is stressful buying a home and being under contract. And so the first mortgage lender that I'm with, it, we're like, so what do we need to do? Like, what do we need to get ready? Like, we wanted to get him paperwork and everything. He's like, just wait, we don't need anything yet. And it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? 
And so I remember when I called Steve, it's like, dude, let's get this going. Like, there's gotta be stuff that I can start sending you. And the feeling I had with Steve, from talking with Steve and the, and the other guy was night and day difference. Cause it, it's just like, he explains the process to you. He takes the time. He makes, he doesn't make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about. And, and he gets stuff done. <laughs> like that's what it comes down to. He just gets it done for you. And we yeah. felt after, just even after the phone call, Steve kind of, I, I think it was like, oh, we can't do too much, but you could send me this and this. And it, it made me and my wife feel so much better because it's your first home. It's like, man, we don't want to, we don't want this to fall through. We, we don't want to get to the closing table and not have everything or not qualify. Like we don't want to go through this emotional roller coaster. And so I can speak from personal experience working with Steve. Um, it made me feel so much better, especially as a first time home buyer. And I know that it made my wife feel better. And that's all that really matters is making your wife feel good. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I'm thinking like there's people that we talk to that it's like, oh, I just need to get approved or I need to get pre-qualified. Um, what would you say to them? Because a lot, of, a lot of times I think people procrastinate and it's like, oh, I, I haven't got around to it. But can you can you. For the person listening, that's like, I really need to do this. I need to call Steve. I need to call Jordan. I need to call Darren so I can get to the buying process. What, like, tell them how easy it is or tell them, like, what's the first step they need to take? So the first step you guys need to take is just make the phone call. You know, um, the financing part of the home buying process isn't the sexiest part. You know, that is for sure. I mean, the fun part is getting out there, looking at the homes, seeing the homes, getting a feel for the home, like getting asked what's, you know, what's your income, what's your credit, you know, gather your pay stubs, give me your bank statements. That's not so fun. You know, it's all the stuff that we don't really like to talk about. Like we're all very private people. It's not like we walk around with a, a, a thing, you know, like a necklace around our neck that says, hey, I make 50000 a year. You know what I Some mean? Some people do that. Yeah, but <laughs> most don't. And so it's, it's, it's always one of those uncomfortable things that we don't like to always just like to talk about. And yeah. so part of my job is, is to, you know, like help me better understand, you know, what your, um, you know, what, what the goal is at the end. Because there's so many people that in their mind, they qualify. They're like, this is going to be a slam dunk. I'm highly qualified individual. And then once I start talking to them and I learn that their down payment money is in the safe at the home, they don't qualify for what the guidelines require. Yes. You maybe have the income. Yes. You may have the credit. Yes. You have the cash, but the cash will not allow you to meet what that guideline, you know, requires. And so Mm. that's where we need to right up front, get everything laid out on the table and let's make sure that if you guys go out there and you find that house of your dreams or that one that you fell in love with or your wife fell in love with that you already envisioned raising your family at, let's make sure that if you do fall in love with it, you can buy it because nothing is more discouraging than falling in love with something and having it take, you know, I mean, I've, I have a lot of uncomfortable conversations and it's hard, but yeah, it's, it's, that would I be wish, hard. Mm-hmm. 
to take that away from somebody once they've already, I guess like me handing you the keys to your car and then just saying, I just kidding. You can't buy that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But that's why it's so important to get pre-qualified just because of that exact thing. You know, it, you can't say it enough. You can beat a dead horse. It's like, it's, I, I try to encourage my clients to do that too. First is, Hey, get pre-qualified because it, it would suck if you, if you found a house and you loved it and then you can't qualify for it. Well, like that's just a waste of your emotion. Yeah. It's very emotional too. (laughs) It really is. Like you guys get to see a whole different side of like what I see, you know, like me and Darren were just talking about this the other day, you know, like (laughs) what, what he's hearing and what I'm hearing are two different things, you know, and it's, it's probably because, you know, our side of the loan, it's very tedious. It, it is overwhelming. And we try and, you know, we've built some systems and processes that we have in place to make it as fun and smooth as possible, you know? And so we do the best that we can, but just, you know, to some people, they don't understand that because guess what? It's not what they do every day. This is yeah. all I do day in and day out. And so, I'm comfortable with the process. They're not. And so we, we got to make sure that we get them comfortable with it, but that's, that's just a, that's a huge one for me that I just can't imagine, you know, taking someone out, having them fall in love, which is not really realistic in this market anyways. Let's say five, six, seven years or whatever from now, someone's like listening to this, it may be different, but right now, Hopefully it slows down just a little bit so that it's not so hopefully there's a little yeah. more inventory to balance it out just a little bit. Cause it's pretty nuts. Well, well, the, hear, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I I've got, I just, I, I um, bear with me here. I'm going to pull up a note real quick, but I just, I jotted something down that we just got word of. And you know, this is, you know, for all the people that say, Hey, I'm going to wait for houses to go down house prices is this is this interest rates because that's what's actually what i was going to ask you next no but we'll i'll talk we can talk about rates as well but i I want to kind of say you know i want to talk about the reason that it's you know best to sell or buy now you know kind of give you guys a little bit of of that because they just approved you guys are probably familiar with forbearances so when covid hit mortgage companies allowed people to go into a forbearance which is no payments Okay. They're pretty much saying, Hey, look, I can't make this payment right now. And the mortgage companies were giving them three, four, five, six months of no payments. And they weren't like reporting late payments. Yeah. And Hmm. it's when COVID hit, you know, it did put some people in some financial strains, right? They maybe lost a job or they worked in a factory and, you know, social distancing stopped them from being able to go to work. So it did affect people's income. And so the thing that I just learned is, is forbearances were just extended for another 18 months. Who? So do you know what that wow. means? That That's means for so two years. Even people basically. that can't make payments are protected. But I heard this so, with wow. tenants. Is this with tenants too? Because I heard that landlords, landlords can't even all to ask for rent there is some laws and regulations behind that but with with me learning that you know i sat down and i was like man what does that mean you know well here's the thing no lenders can foreclose which means 
There's no new inventory hitting the market. The only thing that's going to hit the market is new construction and people moving around, selling their house, going somewhere else. So, you know, that that's going to continue to affect us as far as a challenge in the market, because the challenge right now is we can't get supply and demand in check. Right. Right. And I, with that, I mean, we, you know, I, I hate to say that you want foreclosures, but cause I mean, I don't wish that on anybody, you know, Yeah. but at the same time, we need the inventory. We've got, we've got tons of people that want to buy houses. They can actually pay for the home. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one thing, it, it not to sound, to make it so it doesn't sound rude, it's not, yeah, you don't wish that on anybody, but Never. it almost needs to run its natural course mm-hmm. because it's being like, some people are like artificially allowed to stay in their house if they maybe couldn't afford it. Now, like you do worry about those people and where they could go, but at the same time, if people can't make their payments, then that's yeah, a tough that's- spot. Yeah. It's a really tough spot. And so like, I just, you know, I sat down and, and yes, you're exactly right, Darren. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody, you know, yeah. but you do wish from, like you say, letting the system run its course. We need inventory right now. So if you can't, and it's going to put lenders in a little bit of a bind. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. going to have people living for free. Are they just adding it onto the back end of the loan? So there's a cut. We've seen it on a couple refinances that we've done recently where we saw that a lender tacked it on the back end. At the end of it, they give you the option. The challenge is, is there's still some that require a due in full or they're going to foreclose or, you know, yeah, or, yeah. Or talk that. So if you went five months and your payment was two grand, they're going to say, okay, it's up. You owe us $10,000. Or that we've seen them attach a second lien separately on the house, saying, "Hey, we have another ten thousand dollar interest plus." I mean, yeah, mm-hmm, attached oh, as crazy. their interest. So interesting. So when times. they put a second lien on on the mortgage, are they required to let the let the borrowers know, or they just put it on there? Well, I think a lot of them. When this all was happening, when COVID hit, there were so many unknowns. You know, they they issued all these like lifesavers, like the forbearance thing. And I don't think a lot of people understood that it was going to come full circle. Some people just thought, sweet. Yeah. I'm not, I don't got to make a pay for four months. I'm living good. <laughs> yeah. But then it comes back to them and says, hey, you owe us this money. One gentleman that we had had to go get a 401k loan. That was the only option they gave him was to pay it. He was due in full. And so he had to go take the money. So he was, he was truly in trouble, meaning he wasn't just taking the money and spending it. He, he did lose his job, but that's something that we have to kind of keep in mind. But yes, I think they give the people from what I've understand from talking to people, they gave them the option of, Hey, you can do this or this or this. What do you want? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Dang. That could create some hard situations coming up. Like, I don't know if they know how it's going to like, uh, I, I don't know if they exactly know how it's all going to play out at the end, you know? 
Well, well, and I imagine just... people with like with rental properties, let's say like the guy we talked to the other day had 10 doors, you know. And so if he's got half of those tenants that aren't paying, is he going to be able to keep his properties? If he, is he going to have to sell them? Like what's going to happen to the actual landlord? That's that's the part that I think is really going to affect people is people that are investing in real estate or, or have rental properties that you can't even go ask your tenant to pay rent. Like crazy, yeah. <laughs> but his payments still do. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I crazy. just hope so, that it's not like a band aid. You know that two years from now, all of a sudden we get flooded. Yeah. You were sharing some interesting stats with us. I know we got to get wrapping it up soon, but I want to hear. Kind of before we started recording, you were telling us about stats of people that are renting and can buy and sell, and I think that that could be good for everybody, especially yeah. locally, to hear that stuff. Yeah, so I've, I was looking at a real estate report card, and you know, let's talk about Davis County, Utah. Um, that's a, a county up in northern Utah. The median home price right now is three hundred sixty-three thousand eight eighty-eight. That's a median home price right now. What they're projecting, as far as a five-year gain, as far as equity goes, is eighty thousand one hundred seventy. And obviously, they're just using hypothetical or, or historical, I should say, data, probably over a few years that they're averaging out, okay? Last year's gains were obviously more than that, but let's just, you know, follow, the, follow that. The biggest thing that I thought was crazy was is population for that county is 344,410,000, okay? And, um, the renters in that area is about just shy of 81,000 people are currently renting of that 344,000. So that's about 25% of the population, give or take. Here's the craziest thing. 20,370 are renters who could afford to purchase a home. That is that. That is crazy. That's, and, yeah, that's a and, quarter and the, of all renters. And, and the thing that, you know, was even crazier. So there was another stat for household formations. that was based on 27 to 35 population. 4,638 is what they were. And this is, you know, per year. Homes actually being built is 1,760. Oh, oh my goodness. So yeah, I know all the see. contractors are like way backed up too, but yep. I, I was curious, are those numbers, um, do those have the predictions of like people that are moving from other states? Because I know when oh. I was just working at AAA, I mean, we had one to two per people per day coming from California because all the big tech companies are moving here. And I mean, if, if, if those numbers aren't including people that are come from California and all these other states, then... I mean, it's going to be way lower inventory than that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, no, that's just current, like what the, what they currently have for data of people living in Davis County right now. So that's not even taking into account all the out of state people that are, you know, are coming in and are competing in the same market. So, and then California, I mean, rent out there for like, if you're in the Bay area for a studio, they're paying two, three thousand for a little tiny studio, so they qualify probably even more than people that are already in Davis County 
to purchase a home, depending on if, if they move with their company here. But I think that's happening more and more with the, the tech companies coming over. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that's, like I said, at the end of the day, we can't get our supply and demand in check. So my, my advice to everybody that's listening to this, like if you're thinking of home ownership, it's not getting any cheaper. So my recommendation <laughs> is, is you might as well jump in now. And as that supply and demand keeps going, that just means values are going to continue to climb, which means more money in your pocket or more money that you're going to have to pay two, three, four, five years down the road when you do try and jump in the game. Yeah, we we just bought our house, what, uh, eight months ago? And I, I've, yeah, July. And I told my wife, man, we are so lucky that we bought when we did because we didn't have to, I mean, the market now is so crazy, but you have, I have these people that I talk to like, Oh, I'm just going to wait till the market goes down a little. It's like, you try to explain it's not going to happen. And I think a lot of people are waiting for the crash in like 2008. Like they, I don't know if people are still scared from that, that it's going to happen, but I heard a stat that there wasn't a crash from 2008. If you look back in history, it wasn't since like uh, the 30s, I want to say, that there was another big recession. So uh, trying to explain that to people can be tough because 2008, you know, for some people, it's not that long ago. And I think it's still looming in people's mind that, that it's going to happen again, especially with what's going on in the country with the new election and everything. So what, what would you say, like, if you were trying to convince someone, I know you kind of already did, but what is the biggest thing happening in Utah that the prices aren't going to go down? Growth. Look at the big tech coming into the, our state. If you're Davis Weaver, you know, County individual, look at um, Northrop Grumman, right? They just got that huge contract up on Hill Air Force Base. Yeah. That's bringing in big, big, big. I mean, even executives, like even your million dollar homes, or, or, yeah. or, you know, are moving. And that's simply because they're bringing so much, um, so many more people to fill the jobs at that, um, at that big movement. And so my thing with Utah is, is our, you know, our unemployment rates are extremely low. Our growth is extremely high and we can't seem to get a handle on our supply and demand. And so it's just, that's the way it works. It's yeah. going to keep going up. So. That's crazy. Well, we should probably wrap it up. Dee, do you have any? Oh, no, we wanted to cover interest rates real quick. I did want to, uh, Dee, if you have another question that you might want to ask, because this is this is actually really informative for me. And I think it'll help a lot of people. So if we need to go over by a few minutes, we can. But um, interest rates, I know that you said that they're on the rise. Uh, and my broker or my broker just talked about qualifying people that um, they can't really lock their rates in until they have a house under contract. And they said the last three weeks, people it's gone from like 2.5 and now the best rate they can get is 2.7. And then that affects the purchasing power of your buyer. So can you explain to people if you do wait, this is just another reason to buy with interest rates. They're, they're still great. If you're, I mean, 2.7 is awesome, but if they continue to wait, what happens to their purchasing power? 
Well, that's a really good question. So, um, yeah, I mean, if the market keeps going like it is right now, we're definitely going to see a norm of rates in the high twos to the low threes. So, and at the end of the day, historically, that's still amazing rates. I mean, if you look back, even if someone's buying a rate at 3% or three and a quarter, it is cheap, cheap, cheap money. You know, I mean, yeah, the rate on our first house was 3.95 and we thought it was awesome still. (laughs) Mine was at 6.75. Oh, first house, first house, six points. So it's all relevant. I mean, you know, some people get hung up on, Hey, well, houses are more expensive. Yeah. But rates are so cheap that that's why you can buy that more expensive house. Rates were higher Mm. then. So house prices were lower, you Mm. know, and it helps, but just so everybody can be aware, every quarter percent increase is costing you approximately $20,000 in buying power. What buying power is, is let's say that at 2.75, you qualified for 300 grand at 3%, you're only going to qualify for say 280. So you said a quarter increase is 20,000 in buying power. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. So that's not meaning they, they're going to pay 20 more over the life of their loan. It's just like you have 300,000 and now if it goes up a quarter, you can only spend 280. So it's very important even to you guys, you know, and that's why it's good that you guys are your brokers and everything are keeping you guys informed. I mean, obviously you can rely uh, rely on me for that stuff as well, but you need to know because there's a lot of people that I have pre-qualified right now that we're having to go back through saying, Hey, you need to call your agent, call the agent, say, Hey, you need to adjust Bob down to 250. Well, guess what? That might just price Bob out of from buying a house. I hate to say yeah, that. Yeah, especially, you know, especially be- with with so many offers on the table too. Like if their offer gets rejected four or five times and it's been a couple of months, uh, <laughs> that could really affect things. So it's, it's, it's definitely crazy. Yep, yep. And so that's why it's just good to, you know, to be with somebody that is going to make sure they stay on top of that and that you don't, you know, just go get the house offer accepted and then find out. Hey, your pre-call is four months old. That doesn't do you any good wow. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Who you hire matters. That is exactly right. Right? All hey, baby loan girls, officers. Just a sign of the times. <laughs> I always say that all loan officers and all agents are not equal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I had a guy explain it to me. He's like, there's a difference for everyone in Utah. He's like, there's a difference between someone that plays church ball and Michael Jordan. And there's a reason Michael Jordan gets paid what he does. Cause there's a difference. That is so true. I love that. <laughs> All right. All right, Jordan. Do you have, do you have any, anything else? No. You want to hit on? Okay, sweet. So Steve, I appreciate it. If, if there's anyone listening, uh, I know that we can get in touch with you. So you, whoever's listening, but if someone wants to follow you, um, I, I know your Instagram's awesome because your kids always do your promotions and, and I, I plan on following that model, but where can they reach you? Phone number, email, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, so, the best, the best I think would be your Instagram. Cause I like your Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you guys my cell phone. Feel free to call or text me anytime. That number is 801-628-1658. And then my Instagram is Steve. Oh, hang on a second. I failed. Steve, Steve something mortgage, man. 
it is. That just goes to show how, to how, how often that I don't check my own, you know, my own <laughs> um, thing. But it's Steve Wilcox dot mortgage man. So, yep. Okay. That is where we'll you guys can you find me. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever even have questions on anything, whether mortgage related or just want somebody to talk to, I definitely talk your ear off. So when, when the Jazz lose, I'll, I'll call you and start crying that the refs, you know, That's made a right. call. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, we appreciate having you on. Uh, I know we have a special connection because you're brothers with Darren. Um, but even working with you just from a business standpoint, I've had experience with you. Darren's had experience with you. Um, I think we couldn't recommend someone better in the industry. You're the top 1% in the nation. So if you're looking for someone that knows what they're talking about with mortgages, Steve is the man, Steve, the mortgage man. But um, the, th- the, th- the reason we started this podcast, and there's three reasons I kind of explained to you before, and we, we kind of like to just do a recap of the episode, but one is to educate. I think you taught us so much valuable information, especially for me as an agent. I may have, I, I think this is probably the most that I personally learned and what the market's like. It uh, just get, gave me more of like an insight of what's going on and how crazy it actually is. So I definitely think you educated us. Uh, the other one is to inspire us. If you didn't inspire anyone listening, you probably, ins- well, I'm not saying that you probably inspired them to at least get going on the process of buying a home because it's not, it's not slowing down. The inventory is not going to get any better. Uh, so stop waiting. <laughs> I mean, that's the best advice we could give. So, um, and, and hopefully you inspired people just telling your story about how you started uh, going and playing. I mean, everything great comes from the game of basketball and you went and played basketball and that's what led you on this journey. So you never know uh, just by going and, you know, showing up and playing a sport with someone, what, what it might lead to. So I think that's inspiring to me because connections can happen at any moment. You don't know when they're going to happen. And that leads into our last, last pillar, I guess, of the, the podcast is to connect people. Um, I, we hit on this every time. It's, it's so hard in today's world, one, because of COVID, but two, because we're all moving so fast that it's just nice to block out an hour of your day and actually like really connect with people and have a conversation and learn. Um, like you said, when you hired your assistant, you, you, you always had more work, but your volume never went up and we can't do any of this stuff alone. We need to surround ourselves with people that are better at certain things with us and experts in the business. And uh, I can probably speak for Darren. We're super grateful to have you as a connect and we will be sending uh, clients your way. And we hope that this podcast also brings you more clients and more success. So um, I'll shut up now and thanks for being on our podcast. We, we really appreciate it and we hope to have you on again. And if you have anybody else that wants to be, we'd love to learn from them too. Thank you guys so much. It's been so fun chatting with you and uh, catch you guys later. Yeah. Thanks for coming on.